Well, that's one way to introduce a topic, isn't it? It's called uh, Stump the Panel there. What we're doing today is we're going to look at clarity, for some clarity out of Scripture as to what we can expect God to uh, say to us in terms of encouragement. His encouragement is priceless uh, for those who really want to do His will, who, those who want to do uh, what He wants in the world. Um, we, we really need to lean on him and his encouragement. That's what we've been talking about in this message series. We've been learning to listen. Romans 8.14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. This is a major characteristic of God's children, is that they, they hear him, and when they hear him speak, they obey. They do what he's telling them to do. And what we hear from God gives direction, and today we're going to look at how it brings encouragement, really, really a bunch of help. There's a bunch there. In this series, I've been careful. I've been trying to be very careful at looking at the importance of learning to recognize God's voice over and above other voices so that we can be confident that we're following him and not someone else. Because hearing God, this, this subject matter that we're looking at and that we're studying in our groups, it, it's, it's a core part. It's really the heart of living the Christian life every day. It's at the heart. Getting into Scripture, letting God speak to you, listening to him through the day, talking to him about what's going on. Really the heart. But it's also an aspect of following God that is fraught with danger. This, this is an area of walking with God that's full of landmines. I was in a country in Central Asia a few years ago, and um, I was riding in a very small plane, a passenger plane, and, you know, in our, in our aircraft, there's magazines and things and behind the seats that you can read, and so I'm looking through all the things, and there's this one little paper that was instruction about how you need to stay on the proven path because the if you walk that that country had been riddled with war for years and if you walk into you just walk into an open meadow and just take off and start walking you're likely to get blown up by the landmines that have been placed there so they said stay stay on the path and don't get off don't just start walking where people aren't walking because that's dangerous and that's really how this, this area of the Christian life is. It's, it's dangerous. So we've been focusing as we talk about listening to God, learning to hear him, obeying him, stepping out to follow him. We've been talking about what we can expect him to say. What kind of things is he going to say? How is he going to lead us? What we can expect? How can we figure out if it's his voice or not that we're hearing? The reason it's so dangerous, this, this area of the Christian life, is that there are two influences that can lead us off track. God's voice isn't the only one in the crowd. He's not the only one trying to speak to us. There are others that are vying for our attention, and these will sidetrack us. The first one is our own heart. Jeremiah 17:9 says, Who can understand the human heart? There is nothing else so deceitful. It is too sick to be healed. We need outside perspective for living well. We need it. Our, our hearts 
they're, they're, they're deceptive. The advantage of a GPS, I was driving around yesterday, needed quick directions. The advantage of a GPS is it has this perspective that is way up here. And it can locate you and tell you how to get where you need to go. And we need that. Our hearts are deceptive. Just like being in a car in the middle of the street, you don't know where you're at, you don't know how to get to where you're wanting to go. Our hearts are deceptive. We can't trust them. We just can't. We can't trust them to give us the right perspective. They don't, we don't have the right perspective in here. So we need to look to God for his leadership and learn how to listen to him. Our hearts are full of things, and we've got to guard against these kinds of things. They can be full of these kinds of things, bitterness, anger, malice, envy, jealousy, um, discontent. And if we allow those things to take root in our heart, they can lead us astray. They, they can lead us in the wrong When we want stuff really bad, which we do at times, that it's easy to go off track. And, and, and walk the opposite direction of God's will. For example, uh, when I was in graduate school, I went rogue on a decision to buy a car. Just, just went rogue on this decision to buy this car. Um, Cindy and I were, we were in Texas. I was going to graduate school, spent five years there. And there was a new car coming out on the market, and we were about to have, well, the, the reason we were thinking about getting a new car, the car we had was fine. It was great. It didn't have an air conditioner in the, in the Texas summer. Very valuable. But we also had a six, I think a, a child who was six to eight months that, that had just been born. So we didn't want to, you know, this was the reasoning. You don't want to drag your baby through the Texas summer, you know, without air conditioning in the car. And so we were going to get a new car. Well, the way I approached it is I heard about this new vehicle, this new company that was coming onto the market, and I decided that that was going to be the next big thing in America, and I was going to be on the leading edge of buying this car. It was very, very inexpensive. I was going to be on the leading edge, and I was going to be the first to purchase. After I had the car and drove it for a while, everybody around me would think, you know, Randy, he's such a smart guy. He was the first one to realize how good this car would be. Well, I didn't really ask God. And a friend of mine actually tried to encourage me to look around at other cars and things. But no, I went ahead and bought it. And that car for the next five years reminded me of that poor decision, how I had gone rogue. I wasn't listening. And I paid because at a very early age, that car blew a head gasket, had to redo the engine. And about five or six thousand more miles blew another one. Had to do another, in, you know, another engine. So that is a reminder for me to ask God for help and listen. Don't blow through it. Don't try to do it on your own. But our own hearts. What was happening there? I was pretty sure I knew. I knew what you know was good. What was coming? Do I know anything about cars? Am I in the industry? No. Did I do any reading? Did I do any check? No. But my own heart was telling me, Randy, here's your chance. You can look really good if you get this car, and you're, you're going to look smart. Second, second influence is the enemy, Satan. 2 Corinthians 11.3, But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's coming, cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray. Good grief, this is tougher than it looks, isn't it? 
your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. This is what's happening all, all through the day. There's a constant danger of the enemy trying to influence us away from the direction that God wants us to do. And so uh, there are filters. We talked about these last week. There are filters that you can put in place and you can filter what you're hearing through them that will guard against your heart or the enemy leading you astray. We talked about them last week. God's promptings, his whispers, his urgings are always going to match his character. They're going to always agree with Scripture. They're going to foster cooperation with legitimate authority. And I said legitimate authority for a reason, because uh, sometimes authority tries to lead us in illegitimate directions. If, there, if, if an authority is ever trying to lead you to disobey God, you say no to that. But legitimate authority that God has placed, our boss at work, we choose to work somewhere and there's a boss, there, that's, that's our authority. He's going to foster, he's going to lead us to cooperate with them. Here, here in church life, your team leader, the leaders here at, in, in home, he's going to foster cooperation. And if you have something to say, if you want to appeal to authority, he's going to lead you to appeal in a way that's peace-loving and, and fosters a sense of cooperation. His leadings are going to match up with who God made us to be, and they're going to align with wisdom and the counsel of the wise. In every choice that I've made as I ignore these filters, I've paid a price. That car, I can see that car. I, I, I can see it as I was going up. We, we drove that car from Fort Worth to here when we moved out here. And going up the hills, our top speed was about, uh, well, not, not when we moved, but one time we did. We took a trip in it and came back. Top speed, going up a hill, 30 miles an hour. That's a reminder to me. <laughs> Use what God's given you to get his guidance. And that's, that's very important. God's leadings are priceless to us. Today we're going to dig into how God gives encouragement to do his will in the world. We, we're going to need it. We're, we're going to need his encouragement. We're going to need motivation. We're going to need correction. And we're going to need assurance along the way. And we're going to look at how God provides all these if we'll rely on him if we'll stay connected to him. In the Bible, encouragement is a very interesting word. It's a compound word. It's two words put together, and one of the words is comfort, and the other one is challenge. When you encourage someone in the biblical way, you come alongside them and you call them forward. Encouragement means giving comfort or challenge and maybe a mixture of both, Whatever is needed to help someone make progress toward God's purposes. That's what it means to be encouraged. You do and say whatever is appropriate to help draw the courage out of them so that they take the next step that they need to take, take in life that God wants. And sometimes you say something to challenge a person to stop what they're doing or stop the way they're headed and think and change a destructive course in their life. That's encouragement. That's, that's what we're talking about today. God encourages us to fulfill his purposes in the world. This is what we can expect him to do. He, he's going to encourage us. His leadings, all who are led by the Spirit of God or the children of God, this is where his Spirit's going to lead us. 
to accomplish his purposes. And here are some giant commands, just as a backdrop for what we're talking about this morning. Giant commands that you find in the Bible that show God's purposes in the world. Everything worthwhile that you're going to do or say fits under one of these. The first one is the Great Commandment. It's, it's what we call the Great Commandment. Genesis 1, 27, 28 um, tells us that God made people. He put them on the earth to be fruitful, to multiply, to rule over the, 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 the world. And what God does, I don't have the reference on the screen, but you may want to look it up later. But God made people, people, it says, to get dominion over the earth, to rule over the earth, to manage our piece of the world, our life, our possessions, our money, our work, our family, our relationships, to, to manage our piece of the world in a way that pleases him and bears the fruit that he wants to come out of it. In other words, to bring the outcomes to accomplish the purposes that he wants. This mandate covers all kinds of uh, areas in our life, all kinds of endeavors. endeavors. It, it encompasses family life, work, exploration, science, art, and on and on and on. God is going to encourage us to be the member of our family that he wants us to be. That's what we can expect. He's going he's gonna to give us the motivation. He's going to correct us at times. And he's going to assure us when we need it as we're trying to figure out what he wants us to do and how he wants us to do it. He's going to help us with this. He's going to help us with work. He's going to help us to make progress in his purposes. Second big giant command is, is called the great commandment. A lawyer came up to Jesus one time and uh, asked him to, to choose and explain what the greatest commandment was. A bunch of commands in, in the Bible. Which one's the greatest? Jesus gave him the first two. He said, the first one is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Giant command. Love God and love, <clears throat> love the people around you. Love the person right next to you. We can expect God to motivate us in that direction. Another big giant command is called the Great Commission. Matthew 28 and Acts 1. Actually, it, it shows up five times in the Bible. Different times Jesus said this. And I'm, I'm pretty sure he said it more often than just five. But when he does that, he's trying to help us know we, we need to pay attention to this. And so he repeated the commission five times so that we wouldn't forget it. And when you decide to follow Christ, you get a purpose in life. You, he gives you a mission to, to live for. He wants us to live in a way that attracts others to follow him and then to witness to others about the changes and the great things that he's doing in our lives, the things that he's doing on our behalf. We can expect God to lead and encourage us to do these things. These are the major directives in, in the Scripture. Now, it seems like it would be easy, doesn't it? Doesn't it in, there's, there's one part of our brain, our mind, that just makes us think it, it should be easy to do what God wants. And this is the way I thought about life. When I was in graduate school, I used to work all night long, get up, go to school, uh, come home, try to sleep whenever I could, 
and then usually had some ministry responsibility at night or something I was trying to do. So when I thought about the day when I would be in full-time ministry, I looked at that as that is going to be the day when life is like a peaceful river. And I just kind of float along. And I just can't wait. I mean, this is this is going to be amazing because I'm just going to be motivated. And God's always I'm going to know exactly what to do and exactly what to say. People are going to, sure people are going to have problems, but I'm going to know it's just going to flow as I go along. Well, it's it's not like that, not at all. It, it's it's a battle. Wow, I was wrong. It it's not easy. Even it's not easy to want to do good. Sometimes it's, it's not easy to want to do my job. I admit, I'm telling you right now, our heart is deceitful and untamed. The enemy presses against us to keep us from doing what God wants us to do. He's trying to take us down. And so if you're like me, you need encouragement every day. We all need motivation to do the things we need to do, like train our kids. When, when they, they're developing a habit, there's a pattern, we see it. And sometimes it's just easier to let it go. But we need motivation. God, this is our responsibility. This is our part of the world here that God's given us. This is our stewardship, our responsibility that we're to manage. And he's going to motivate us to do that. Or even pray. Who would have thought that prayer is so tough? But you bow your head or whatever. You turn your heart to God and you begin to pray and you're in a battle zone. It is a battle to pray. And what God's going to do is he's going to help us with this. He's going to draw us to this. He's, he's going to give us this mixture of comfort and challenge to move us to pray, to help us with this. He's going to move us toward keeping our commitments that we've made, toward working hard. When nobody else in the office, they're all checked out, they're not working very hard, he's going to motivate us. He's going to, to, this is what we can expect. He's going to help us say an encouraging word. When uh, it's so easy to be wrapped up in my problems, my stuff, the things I'm dealing with, These are the things he's going to prompt us to do. He's going to lead us toward these things. When we need to be challenged with our thinking that's off base, when we need to be stopped, when we're about to do or say something, when we need comfort or assurance in the middle of a really hard life situation, God's going to give us what we need as we rely on him. This is one of the things he does. He gives us exactly what we need. We can expect God to help us stay on track. And to stay on track, what we're going to need, we're going to need three things. And we're going to look at those as we walk through the rest of the message this morning. We're going to need to be moved to action. And I don't know about you, but I'm starting to warm up. For a few years, I had my Scrooge years toward Christmas. I was like, oh, this is so commercial. I don't like this. You have to go shopping and all that. My wife loves it, so thankfully she she helped us hang in there. But... I had some Scrooge years, but now I'm starting to turn the heart. I, I'm looking forward to Christmas. I want to blow past Halloween. I can't stand Halloween. I don't, I don't like that holiday, but 
Anyway, I'd like to just move right to Thanksgiving. My grandchild's visiting at Thanksgiving. So um, anyway, we're heading that way, and this story is from uh, the time around Jesus' birth. So that's why I'm talking about Christmas. You've been wondering, I know, why in the world he started talking about Christmas. But this is a, a story around his birth, and uh, this, this is what, what it says in Luke 2, 25-32. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And my, what I get from this is it seems like God's giving him a bonus for his faithfulness. This is an honor for him. You're not going to die. You've been a faithful man. You've been righteous and just. And so I'm going to let you see the one everybody's been waiting for, the consolation of Israel, the Christ, the one who's going to be born, who's, who's going to be the Savior of the world. It says, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, uh, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. This was a man who had the Holy Spirit upon him. He was led by the Spirit, and he was moved to just the right spot so he could honor Jesus and praise the sovereign God who was bringing this about in the world. That pleases God. We can expect God to motivate us, to lead us, to move us to action that accomplishes his will. He's going to prompt us and urge us to do his will and the things that please him, to pray a prayer at just the right time. He'll bring someone to mind, or we'll see something going on. He's going to prompt us toward that action, to show kindness to the people around us. There's a need that comes up. Somebody else has a goal. And you don't don't really have to, but the Spirit's leading you to take care of them and to, to meet their goal and to help them with it, to connect with someone in a relationship you haven't connected with before, to ask a helpful question. He's gonna he's gonna lead us toward these things, to witness. One of the commissions, Acts one eight says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses. This is what we can expect. He's gonna lead us to tell other people about the good things that God does as we decide to follow him. This is what we can expect. He's gonna He's going to prompt us to read a book. He's going to bring it to our attention. We may read a book at just the right time. turns out to be exactly what we needed for our growth. God's in charge of our training program. He's helping us this way. He's going to lead us to say an encouraging word at just the right moment, and we would have had no way to know that that person really needed to hear that then. This, this is the way God leads us. He encourages us. He motivates us to do the things that he wants done in the world. He'll, he'll move us to action. We can also expect to be admonished toward change. The word admonished doesn't sound very good, fun, does it? doesn't sound like fun to be admonished. The word admonished means to reprove gently but firmly. That, that's what it means to admonish someone or to be admonished. And this is what the Lord does in our own hearts and lives. 
Look at Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for edifying, as fits the occasion, that it may impart grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. When you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, you decide to follow him. His spirit lives in you. And then he begins to put the brakes on. He begins to, to, to try to stop you or to show you when you're taking a course of action, when you're saying and doing things that don't please him. Because we grieve the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. We were sealed by him on the day of redemption. That's what scripture says. The day we came to know Christ and were saved from an eternity without the Lord, without God, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And he begins to work. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. This is where God's going to lead us. He's going to lead us to stop those things and start these others, kindness, tender, tender-heartedness, uh, forgiveness. It may be a subtle thing, but when you say or do something that is not pleasing to God, you hear a gentle rebuke, a firm whisper from him to stop. You ever seen a family in, or you ever been a family, in, in sort of a, a, maybe at a, an adult gathering, and the child is being a child, and, and the, the mom or dad is whispering, stop it, stop it, don't do that, that's not, that's not a pr-. And there, and there, there is just this, there, we hear this from God as we're living our lives. The Holy Spirit makes us aware of attitudes and things that are destructive and damaging and actions that we're about to take that are going to blow things up. He stops you at times when you're heading toward the wrong course of action. Uh, my son Thad was a baseball player, and uh, he had major back surgery when he was a junior in high school. He was he was really into baseball. He actually had a chance to play college baseball and stuff like that. But he had major surgery, and his senior s- season, he really wasn't supposed to play catcher. He was a catcher, which doesn't add, doesn't make it, you know, very easy on your back. It's not the best thing for your back. So anyway, he was a catcher, and one game, very first game, the coach got excited. He got excited. He he started that game at catcher. And Cindy and I are watching this game, and we used to watch the games with my mom and dad. And at Diamond Bar High, there's there's this there's classrooms up here, and the baseball diamond is down down below, and there's about four stories worth of steps between where we usually watch the game and the and the diamond below. And Thad's playing this game. We're a little ramped up because he's catching and we're worried about him. We're not quite sure. You know, he's our baby, even though he's a grown man that shaves and stuff like that. But, you know, we're, we're watching him. And uh, he he's, he's playing catch. We're playing our rival, too, so we're a little more amped up. You know, we want these guys. And there's a play at the plate. There's a guy coming home from third. Thad has the ball. He tries to run him over. Didn't work out for the guy running, trying to run him over. He got him, but I'm, you're not supposed to do that in high school baseball. You're not supposed to try to run the catcher over. You're supposed to slide. And so I, Alex was there, and Alex said he looked over and I was gone. I was down the stairs, and I was heading 
to the other coach to let him know. And I'm, I got right behind, I, you have to pass behind home plate, the, the visitor dugouts over here. And right behind home plate, I remember the thought came over me. Just what are you going to say? And so I started having this conversation and I thought, well, I'm not going to cuss him out. I'm not going to do that. What am I going to say? So I said, okay. So I just, I walked back up the stairs and my family and a few other people were watching this take place and wondering what has got into him. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. He'll, he'll stop you if you'll listen. If, if, if you'll let him, he'll guide you through these things. He'll stop you in your tracks. And that would have been, this is in a city where I'm a pastor. That would have been horrific for me to blow up on the coach. That wouldn't have been good. My son would not have talked to me for several weeks. Probably. He's a pretty good guy. He would have forgiven me quit sooner than that. But that would not have been good. And that's what we can expect God to do. He's going to admonish. It was very, very gentle. Just what are you going to say? That's exactly what I needed to stop in my tracks from what I was about to do. It's, it's very easy to get discouraged when you sense his reproof. But it's really evidence of God's love. Because when you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, he comes into your life And you begin to realize you say and do more that is off base than you ever thought possible before. But God, in his grace, loves you right where you're at. And and he is kind. And Hebrews makes it clear that it's the discipline of a good father that's that's coming our way. To stay on track with God's will, we're going to need assurance. We're going to need to be assured in the struggle. And if we don't realize that there's this battle raging in us, once we commit to Christ, we get discouraged, and the struggle discourages us. In fact, the Holy Spirit being in us makes us more aware of sin and wrong than ever. And we need the right perspective from him. We need assurance. Because sometimes I find myself thinking, and I bet you find yourself thinking, no real Christian would do that no real christian would ever say that and then the enemy takes our actions and our thoughts and what we're doing and he uses them to begin to accuse us and to beat us down and to take us out and to encourage us in the struggle the holy spirit whispers assurance to us look at romans 8 therefore dear brothers and sisters you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do For if you live by its dictates, you will die. It's going to lead you to damage and destruction. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. He continues. So if you have not received a spirit that so so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, which means Daddy. We call you Daddy. It's a very endearing, personal term, Daddy. For his Spirit joins with our Spirit to affirm that we are God's children. We serve God as children, not slaves. We don't follow in fear 
but with a calm assurance and with a hope that turns dread into anticipation as he whispers his assurance to us. We can trust him to, to speak at just the right time. If we're, le- if we're immersed in the things he wants to use, he's going to motivate us to action. He's going to admonish us when we need it. That will save us from doing or saying the things that will bring some real destruction into our lives. He is going to assure us, to affirm in our spirit that we're his children, that we are his. This is what we can expect God to do. In a, in a few moments, Alex is going to lead you through the next steps. And I'd like you to just think about that. And uh, which, which of those do you need this week? Or maybe what's going on with you? Has, has he motivated you to action this, through this message? Or is, he, is there something you know you need to do and you need his encouragement to do it? Lean on him. Is there an admonition? Is there something he's pointed out that you need to stop, that you just need to surrender to him? Is there some assurance that you need? God, I really, you know, I need, I need to be assured here. Maybe there's something really difficult that you're facing right now. God, would you help me with this? Would you help me walk through this in faith? Often I ask God, God, would you help me with my faith? I'm having trouble here. Would you give me more? And he's faithful. He is faithful with that. So, Think that through. I'd like to show you a testimony. I'd like to share it with you from a lady named September. She's from Bill Hybels' congregation in Chicago. And she heard the Spirit's comforting words in the middle of the worst circumstance I can imagine. And so I'd like you to watch it, and then we're going to continue in worship. It was just a normal Saturday, and... um my our middle child Katie we have five kids our middle child Katie uh, was heading out uh, to work her first day uh, at a summer job she'd been home from college about a month and uh, out she went she was so excited she uh, had a job it's actually at this beach bar which you know <laughs> it was at a beach bar and she was so excited because she really had a strong sense that most of the, her colleagues that she'd be working with uh, were far from God, and she was like a kid in a candy store. She could not wait to start building relationships with these people and perhaps introduce them to the Jesus that was so uh, important to her. And about an hour after she left, uh, I got the phone call that every parent dreads. It was an emergency room nurse on the other end of the line, and she was asking us to come down because our daughter had been brought in. Uh, we went down to the hospital, and there she was. Uh, she, uh, while driving to work, uh, had had a ruptured brain aneurysm, and she had passed out at the wheel, and there had been a violent car accident. Uh, her neck was broken at C1, and she was in a coma. There was not a scratch on her. She looked like a beautiful angel just laying there, but she had a ventilator uh, in her mouth to breathe for her, and her pupils were blown, and there was no life in her eyes. I knew I needed to, uh, at some point, make a phone call to my parents to let them know what was going on. I, I couldn't get cell reception in the hospital, so I stepped outside into the ambulance bay, and it was a beautiful, sunny day, and I was struck by the beauty 
of, of the day, the blue sky, the wispy clouds, the trees overhead. And as I stood there, my hand was shaking. I was trying to dial my mother's cell phone number on my cell phone when I got this whisper from God. And he said, I am good. This circumstance does not change my character. This does not change who I am. I am good. And in that moment, I was just washed with this strong sense of peace that I knew was from him. Uh, the circumstances didn't look good. Three hours later, uh, our daughter was declared brain dead. And because of that whisper, I was able to navigate those coming days and, and weeks with a peace that I knew was not from me. And in the months that have passed since then, our family has been able to walk through a journey I wouldn't wish on anyone with a strong sense of God's presence. He has been palpably, tangibly aggressive in his love for us and his care for us. And I know someday I'll see my daughter again in heaven. I know someday I will be sitting around a heavenly kitchen table with all five of my children. But until that day, I know that I am walking alongside a God who is good.